isn't it, isn't it amazing, though, just to think of what we've heard this morning, how much Jesus loves us, how he isn't half-hearted, he, it doesn't, his love doesn't depend on how we're feeling, whether we're having a good day or not, on how he's feeling, but his love for us is intense, it's zealous, it's fervent, he's totally committed to us and has a passion for us. He's the one who paid a high price for us. He's the one that in Colossians 1.14 says he purchased our freedom by his blood and forgave our sins. So we cost something. We're not our own. It says in the Bible that we've been bought with a price. We're not our own. And Jesus is passionate for us. I just want to focus this morning for a short time on Jesus who passionately pursues us with his goodness and his love and goes after even one who's lost. And we've just been hearing about the lost and the one that's not in relationship with him. And so I'm just going to read two scriptures which are very well known. You might have guessed what um, they might be. One in the Old Testament, Psalm 23, talking about the shepherd who is our provider, our comforter, the one who blesses us and protects us. And then the story of the lost sheep um, in Luke 15. I'm only going to pick up one verse in Psalm 23, but I just wanted to read the whole of this psalm. So Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honour to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies, You honour me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will live in the house of the Lord forever. And then moving into the New Testament, chapter 15 of Luke, which is um, the story, includes the story that, that Ruth was talking about, the lost son. This is the parable of the lost sheep. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. So Jesus told them this story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbours, saying, Rejoice with me, because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. So I think for a lot of people, the verse I wanted to look at in Psalm 23 is verse 6, which says, Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I think for a lot of us, we we see that translated, um, surely goodness and something like, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. But the New Living Translation uses the word pursue. 
And I think that just to me is such a proactive word. It really grabs me, really, that Jesus' love for us causes him to be proactive, to chase after us. He is the one who acts first. He is the one that takes the initiative to win us to himself. He actively, he actively searches for the lost. We often say something like, well, someone's found God or we found God. But I read somewhere that someone said that God finds the sinner more often than the sinner finds God. I think it's a bit of both, actually. Because I think as Jesus pursues us, our spirits respond to that chasing after him. And we start to actively seek him too. Sometimes his pursuit of us can be very dramatic. I was thinking of the conversion of Saul, who became Paul, in Acts chapter 9. Saul had a very dramatic encounter with God, with Jesus. He saw a light. He heard an audible voice. He heard Jesus speaking to him, and he was blinded for a period of time. We don't have time. I don't have time to tell you the rest of the story, but carry on reading. It's, it's all good stuff. Saul was in the business of persecuting believers, and it seems that he needed a drastic encounter, a dramatic encounter in his life to change him. But there is no one-size-fits-all in how we come to know Jesus. There's no set formula. And for many people, his chasing after us is a much more gentle wooing. He woos us with his love in order to restore our relationship with him. Salvation does involve repentance, turning away from your sin, putting your faith in Jesus. But there are different ways. All our stories here of how we've come to do that will be very different stories. I don't have time to go into a lot of this now, but I've just been thinking back, and a lot of you can think back over your own lives and just see the times that God's been pursuing you. Just simple little things. Maybe I just grew up in a time where my parents sent me off to to Sunday school. I just came into contact with those stories of Jesus. And I just knew that he was drawing me, sometimes through the natural world, just being aware of the beauty of things around me. And then ultimately having contact when I was training to be a teacher with Christians who just knew Jesus so intimately in a way that I didn't and who patiently spent time answering my questions. They never forced anything on me. They never tried to force me to a point of decision, but I knew that I was being pursued by Jesus, and I eventually asked him into my life. Whilst I was preparing this, I was reminded, I don't know why really, but I don't think I'd read it, of a very long Victorian poem called The Hound of Heaven. I don't know if that means, I've got some nodding over there. Um, I wouldn't really recommend it unless you like very long Victorian poems. But it centres on the pursuit of a sinner by a loving God. And the speaker talks as though God is chasing us down like a hunting dog chasing down its prey. The hunting hunting dog is relentless. Now, I'm not sure it's a very good illustration, actually. (laughs) Because, don't let the children hear this, I'm not sure that when the hound catches the hare, its intentions are entirely... Well, I'll say no more. The hare is probably pretty much condemned, 
And I think it could give us a wrong picture of us being chased into a place of condemnation. But the picture is that God is relentless and chases after us. But he's relentless in a love which is patient, which is kind, and which is forgiving. We are Jesus' sheep, and he has the authority to command us. But he is gentle. The Bible says he's gentle in spirit. And his his love is never coercive. It's never controlling. It's never overbearing. If, If love appears to be coercive, controlling, or overbearing, that's not love. He pursues us, but he never drives us and pins us into a corner. His desire is to draw us into a kingdom whose king is a loving father. So Jesus is a shepherd who gathers his father's flock. He draws us back into relationship with him and into a new way of living. I've talked about being pursued or followed, but biblical shepherds are often shown as walking in front of the flock, leading the flock. Psalm 139 verse 5 says, you go before me and follow me. So how can that be true? But there are lots of things in the Bible that seem contradictory, but, both, but are both true at the same time. That's a paradox. Like Dan talking last week about Jesus being 100% man, 100% God. Jesus is not only the one who pursues us, but he also leads us. He goes before us and we choose to follow him because we know and trust his voice. And more than that, actually, that we're called to walk in step with the spirit. The spirit walks alongside us. And I think that scripture sometimes in Psalm 139 is, is translated as God's love hems us around. He's in front of us, he's behind us, and he's beside us, and we walk with him. And then just to turn to the lost sheep, that parable in Luke 15 contains three things that are lost, a sheep, a coin, a son that we've just heard about. And the point is that when they are found, there is great joy. Jesus has a shepherd's heart, a heart of compassion. So he sees a crowd and he says, has compassion on them. In Matthew 9, 36, he says he has compassion on them because they were confused and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus loves the vulnerable. He loves those on the margins of society. And he rejoices when the lost are found. And that's totally in contrast with the attitude of the Pharisees, who are legalistic, they're joyless, they're unforgiving and they're hard-hearted. And often religion is like that. It's, it's legalistic, it's joyless. But Jesus doesn't just see the mass, he doesn't just see the crowd. He knows us and calls us individually by name. When the shepherd counts the flock, he knows one's missing and he's not just content to leave it roaming. He doesn't, he's not happy just to leave it to wander off alone. He goes after the individual who, who is lost because each individual is valuable. And he doesn't want any of us as individuals or members of a group to be confused or helpless. I gather that sheep away from the shepherd and the rest of the flock are are very vulnerable. They're vulnerable to attack, presumably not in this country, by wolves and birds of prey. And they're exposed to the elements and the storm by themselves. Jesus will pursue just one sheep that has wandered off alone and place it back in the flock where it belongs. Being in the storm, we had a word from Trevor about the storm. Being in a storm is an uncomfortable place. 
but it's better to be with the shepherd and with the flock in the midst of the storm. Being held close to the shepherd's heart is where we truly belong. I was just reading Nikki Gumball, who developed the Alpha Course, says, There is no safer place than the intimate presence of God. We've all been lost sheep before being restored to a relationship with Jesus. Everyone has done wrong, everybody has done wrong, and needs forgiveness. But where the Pharisees would condemn, Jesus sees, forgives, and rejoices at the sinner who sincerely turns away from his wrongdoing. Yes, there are things we need to change in our lives, but they often come when we're faced by the love of God and his light in our lives. Jesus pursues us while we are still sinners. We don't have to be perfect first. Your burden is what qualifies you to come. The one sinner is more in need than 99 righteous people. Jesus pursues and woos that one with his love. And just to finish, it's likely that many of us here, I'm sure throughout our lives, we are being pursued by Jesus. There are people here that may be online, there are people that are coming, are coming along to the meetings. You may not really be sure why you're tuning in or why you're here, but Jesus is drawing you. You may know that God is lovingly pursuing you. You might be aware of that. And you're just at the point of that threshold that we've heard about where you need to step over the threshold into all that God has for you. To move from just glimpsing to actually moving into all that he has. And there are people that might have questions to ask about their faith. And the offer course, which is starting on the 8th of March, might just be a really good place for you to come and just to ask the questions that you have, knowing that you won't be judged. I think Trevor Schotter said that, talked about the need to fall in love with Jesus again. Some people are being pursued to fall in love with Jesus again, to return to their first love. And some of us are being called, like Dan talked about last week, to spend more time with Jesus in prayer, solitude, worship, reading the scriptures to deepen our relationship with him. So to finish, let's not run from Jesus as he pursues us, but let's be proactive in pursuing him, even as he pursues us with his goodness and unfailing love that is not just for when you're first saved, but follows us all the days of our lives. Amen. Thank you, Jeanette. So should we finish with one last song? Should we finish with one last song? Is that an echo? <laughs> if it's all right with everybody, I'd like to have a go at the new one again. And, uh, and then we'll uh, finish with tea and coffee and all the lovely things that goes with that. Right. Uh, would you like to stand to your feet? Glory to the King of Amazing Grace. We stand amazed at our Savior's love, laying down His glory to rescue us and 
don't need to sit down. You can if you want. Um, so, yeah, Jeanette just uh, spoke about uh, Jesus pursuing us. And, um, yeah, just uh, maybe you, you heard a, a quiet whisper. Quite often it's just a whisper, isn't it, in our hearts. Um, yeah, so if, if, you, if, you, if you feel like you, yeah, you want to know more about this Jesus who is pursuing us, then um, come and see myself, Jeanette. She'll be happy. Um, you know, maybe the person that brought you or came with you. So, uh, yeah, just, yeah, don't ignore that voice. Um, don't, don't leave it. Uh, take the opportunity um, right now because, as I say, he may not shout. He may not get any louder than a whisper. So, uh, yeah, let's all whis- lis- listen for that whisper of whatever God might be saying to us. But, yeah, come, come and see someone if he's whispering to you now. All right. Um, yeah, so uh, please do um, stick around. Um, It's good to spend time together. Let's have tea, coffee, juice, and a good chat together. All right. Thank you very much.